you're trying to build this business. Um, you have a vision for you want where you want to take it, and then there's an opportunity to sell the business. And you know that's not an overnight thing. We did it f pretty fast. I think we probably started talking to Movado within in like eighty within seventy to eighty days later, like the business was sold. But there's like within that period, you know, we're going flying to New York and New Jersey, and they're coming to us, and we're having, I mean, out like hours of phone calls. I mean, mm -hmm. every week, like it was tough. Good morning. My name is Stephen Borelli, and you are tuned into the Sport of Business podcast. A few years ago, I started my business, Cuts Clothing, from my parents' basement in Washington. Leading a startup has its perks. One of them is connecting with like-minded individuals. On this podcast, you'll hear from some of the people I've gotten close with along the way. Get their takes on trends, business, and current events. And for future founders out there, hopefully you'll take something home that you can apply to your brand. This is the Sport of Business. Let's dive in. Welcome to episode one of For the Sport of Business podcast with my good friend and former CEO and founder of Movement Watches, Jake Kassan, uh, $100 million exit, and he's here today to launch the pod and one of my best friends. How you doing? My guy. Glad to be here. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm stoked. Long time coming. When, uh, when we were thinking of launching this podcast, we were like, every, it was unanimously thought of, hey, we got to launch with Jake. Uh, one, you, uh, taught me a lot in the game as well as a good friend and good camaraderie, lots of fun stories. So let's just get into it. Love it. So kind of starting off, we want to kind of get into, uh, just your story of how you founded movement watches and, um, and go and start with that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, basically started my entrepreneurial journey in, in high school, always knew that like the traditional school route wasn't for me, corporate route, and uh, kind of had different e-commerce businesses, just fell, in, fell into my lap in, in high school and in college, and then leaving college, came up with the idea to start movement and um, you know, looked to crowdfunding, because I didn't know how to raise money or do anything like that, so we went, crowdfunded it, um, and I wasn't in school and college, just spent a lot of time just focused on crowdfunding and e-commerce and Facebook and Twitter and all that shit, and and uh, yeah, first year we were able to do a million dollars, never raise any capital, and kind of year after that did seven, then 30, then 50, all the way up to like 75, 80, and then uh, we sold in 2018 to Movado um, for 100 million, and um, and then yeah, I st stuck around with them for a while as well, so. That's beast, that's beast. And I think what gets lost in that story is the time frame of which you did it. Uh, I always say Jake deserves a lot of respect, as, I, as people say, because you know, he was really DDC 1.0. There really wasn't like a big brother at the time uh, of, of of another brand where there was a playbook. You know, I, I believe movement was part of that initial playbook uh, before, you know, all, you know, all the brands you see today. What, what was it like starting and launching like on the Kickstarter? And do you think that's still relevant for people today? Yeah, I mean, back then it was it was great because you saw a lot of um, honestly shitty products go on to Kickstarter and get funded that clearly didn't. I mean, Coolest Cooler was one of them. Mm -hmm. I think did like 12 million. I don't even know if that got out of production, initial production. Wow. So people just lost money because there's just products that didn't, they didn't know how to execute. So for us, we knew that, okay, um, we could get the money. The audience was there. Um, but what we didn't know is just like how to do everything afterwards. But mm -hmm. we were able to produce the watches, found a reputable manufacturer and then ran, ran from there. In terms of today, like 
you know, if I was starting movement today, it's obviously there's, there's too, it's too saturated, but if mm-hmm. I wanted to start a product today and needed capital, it's like, it, I don't know why you wouldn't potentially start on crowdfunding. Like it's not, I don't hear about it as much mm-hmm. and I don't know if there's a reason why it's not where I'm looking anymore, but I also think it's easier to get funding from angels. I think there's just more younger, mm-hmm. uh, younger people with money, whether it's, you know, crypto or it's successful e-commerce entrepreneurs who are looking to invest. Like and maybe we're just in an LA bubble, but, um, I know a lot of people who are getting angel money, uh, all around the United States and totally. I've gotten DMS and have invested and I've seen influencers are investing. I have friends that are, you know, on bachelor and bachelorette who are investing. So <laughs> I feel like that's a route to go. If not the crowdfunding route. Definitely. And what I love about crowdfunding is, uh, if you just launched a website, getting just your close immediate friends to buy within the first month would be hard because they may, they say they may, they would probably say, Hey, I'll do it. But there wouldn't be an, a time bound urgency for them to actually press go and buy. So at the very least Kickstarter or Indiegogo, like you did, uh, will get people to buy and create urgency for them to buy. And you know, it's a good way to launch a product. What tell us the Indiegogo story of how you couldn't get on Kickstarter. And then when you're Indiegogo. Yeah. So like, you know, I'd spent,